statement piece, the podcast. My name's Sita. And my name's Sophie. Welcome to the new era of the podcast, where we talk about everything from Nepo babies to middle school fashion nightmares. Stay tuned. And today we're going to be talking about Nepo babies. Right. Okay. So where did Nepo baby even come from? Actually, let's start with the definition. Yeah. What is please, a Nepo baby? Please tell me, what is a Nepo baby? So a Nepo baby is it's been popularized recently as any child who benefits basically from their parents. A, a baby, a kid who benefits from nepotism. Usually it's talked about in entertainment circles more recently. People who follow in their parents' footsteps like actors, children who then also become actors. But it can get a little bit more complicated and definitely has much larger implications than just in the entertainment industry. Definitely. So today we're going to do a lot of reference to just the Nepo baby conversation, talk about some of the history, why it's so debated, and some of our top and bottom three Nepo babies. We're also going to be referencing New York Magazine, which brings up a good point of where this whole conversation even started. So basically in February, there was this Canadian worker named Mariam Daraji who tweeted about how she didn't realize that the person who played Lexi in Euphoria, who is Maude Apatow, is the child of Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann. And even though it was only retweeted 4,000 times, it has over 2,500 plus quote tweets. So it reached a lot of, lot of different people. And that kind of started all of these mass media coverage on any Nepo baby. You know, in that article that you're talking about, it's actually, it's more than just an article, it's really a spread. It's like, there's a very intense breakdown of the different kinds of Nepo babies, sort of the different tiers of Nepo babies, the different manifestations of Nepo babies, like Nepo babies who aren't, who are maybe related to someone in the industry, maybe not necessarily a famous person, and then Nepo babies who might have gone into different careers then, their parents, but you know, in the entertainment world, that would be like a singer who was the child of a famous actress. But there, or even there were some cases where it was the accountant of a famous band. Yeah. Or the person who designed uh, the Rolling Stones logo. Yeah. Like all of these things. Like once you get to know kind of the intricacies of it, you understand. Like I guess, oh, you should just meet someone. Like meet my friend, or you should do this. Even just having mm-hmm. that knowledge of what actually happens in the industry and kind of the inside scoop can really go far. One of the big breaching points of the Nepo baby argument is that it started to kind of reach the actual Nepo babies. Like Nepo babies started to be asked about it. And I think that their responses sort of, you know, didn't do anything to like quell the conversation because I think one of the big frustrations with Nepo babies is that they don't really acknowledge their nepotism. They try to emphasize that they still work hard or downplay the role that their parent or their that their connections have but I think that to a lot of other people, they see that as like disingenuous and I think that that, you know, rubs people the wrong way. And then, and then you have people like Haley Beaver who wore a Nepo Baby t-shirt and yeah. is almost making light of the whole situation, which I think mm-hmm. can also go either way. But at least she's acknowledging it. At least she is, yes. With Nepo Babies and the concept of Nepo Babies, it's not actually like that new of a thing, this idea. You know, we have like, like there's been a lot of talk about uh, the monarchy, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Recently with, like, Spare and the Harry and Meghan docuseries. Like, that is an entire institution that is 
built on nepotism. And obviously you have a lot of, you know, because we're a fashion podcast, there's a lot of famous fashion moments that come out of, you know, the monarchy, like notably uh, Diana was, you know, a huge thing. Everyone, when Meghan uh, and Kate got, and Kate both when, had each of their respective weddings, everyone was like, the big question is who's going to design the dress? What's the dress going to look like? Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, you know, more than just in the monarchy, obviously there's like a huge integration of like nepotism in fashion. And I think we're also going to dive in a little bit deeper into kind of the real history of fashion uh, and its relationship to nepotism. Stay tuned. We're going to start off with talking about sort of, you know, the origins of um nepotism and this idea and basically how it intersects with class because that's one of the things that I was thinking about is like what's really at the root of this it's ideas about class and that Mm -hmm. there are different classes of people if you think about fashion and the history of fashion it was almost always geared uh especially like haute couture was geared towards elite you know for instance when the first uh kind of haute couture house or the creator of haute couture charles frederick worth who lived from 1825 to 1895 he created house of worth that was you know his couture house he got big because um the president of france napoleon the third notably nephew of napoleon the first he married uh princess eugenie who also lived from like 1826 to 1920 and was born into spanish nobility uh, Empress Eugenie was really into um, House of Worth and bought a lot of Charles Frederick Worth's pieces. And, you know, she was kind of like the pre-influencer influencer, right? Like her tastes uh, set the tastes of the court. And so in a huge part, because of her patronage, um, the House of Worth was able to thrive. And I think it only ended somewhere in the 1950s or mid uh, 20th century. So it had like a really long run and you know this is sort of extended outwards throughout the history of of fashion where you know uh, I was listening to the podcast dressed a history of fashion um, and it was this episode on this book called how to read a dress um, and one of the things that the fashion historian who was speaking on that episode noted is that there were actually very few surviving examples of working class garments um, especially in museum collections because you know, obviously working class people didn't have access to a lot of stuff, so they would wear their clothes until they fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really high quality pieces were obviously only worn um, in a very select group of, you know, of society, which is, you know, nobility, the aristocracy, again, monarchy, all entirely centered around nepotism. Yeah. And for a while, a lot of, you know, I picked three um notable like socialites uh, slash fashion influencers uh, kind of of their era who, you know, are all connected by nepotism in three different eras. So, you know, I looked into this guy, Beau Brummel, who essentially created modern menswear more as an influencer than a designer. He was the one who was like, you shouldn't dress ostentatiously. You should dress like plainly and simply. And basically is the reason why men only wear suits. Oh, no. wow. Which is, but what's interesting about him is he was, uh, his father, William, was the 
a private secretary to a member of the British Parliament um, from, you know, uh, this was in like the 18th and I think uh, Bo lived into the 19th uh, century, but, you know, um, and he enjoyed like a middle class lifestyle, but he did, after his father passed, inherit um, uh, a fortune of like multiple millions. So uh, it was interesting because he did try to climb the ranks of society. He befriended the king, mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of a classic example, even in of in olden times of like almost I think about it with like Miley and Billy Ray Cyrus. Mm. You know, because like Miley, I feel like now has eclipsed her dad in terms of like who's more famous. But it's like she used almost like Billy Ray because they were obviously hired together on Hannah Montana. Well, did you know Miley was actually hired first? Really? And yeah. then Billy Ray afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like there must have been, like, you know... Yeah, of course. kind of, like... The fact ha- that he was already known in the industry, yeah. also a musician. Like, yeah. And I think it also tied in, like, the demographic that was watching Hannah Montana. It was their parents who yeah. were fans of Billy Ray Cyrus. So yeah. you almost got a wider audience. And it, like, definitely tied in, so it's kind of, like... I guess it's an instance of, like, using a, nef- a lower nepotism connection as, like, a stepping stone mm. and then building your own wild fame in part off of, like... Yeah. Also known as social climbing. Also known as social climbing. <laughs> but that's the thing is that nepotism isn't just nepotism. It's also, like, a big elevation for social climbing. Um, the other ones, and I'll go through these. I'll try to be quick about these, was uh, Caroline Shermerhorn Astor, who was obviously Astor's Astor Place, Robert Barons, like, you know, again, a kind of like, uh, not a monarchy, but like an American uh, dynasty that's still like, there's a lot of name recognition for Astor's today. Um, And she bought these Parisian gowns, but at this time when the US government was trying to like get people to buy more foreign goods. So they put basically these huge taxes on these dresses and um, she refused to pay the taxes. And I think the dresses were ultimately auctioned off. Like she never even got the chance to get the dresses. But it was kind of a whole ordeal. She was such a trendsetter that a bunch of women started to copy her mm-hmm. and like were started trying to order French products and avoid paying those the tariffs and the taxes. They actually had stats where it's like by the fall of 1892, the quantity of French garments passing through New York customs appraiser's office could reach up to 1,000 dresses per day. Wow. So again, it's like this rich lady who was born of socialites and married rich obviously really set this bar and then more modern uh equivalent is Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis who exemplified this 60s wave of fashion that was still kind of influenced by the 50s obviously she's most known for being the first lady to John F Kennedy mm-hmm. another kind of dynasty in and of mm-hmm. itself but you know important to note uh Jackie Kennedy her father was a Wall Street broker and socialite, and then her grandfather was also a French cabinet maker who uh, worked for Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's brother. So he was also very well connected, and that goes back to her grandfather was born in 1792. So she was a 20th century icon, but um, her her Those old yeah, family ties. She has really old family ties, and so then that got me thinking, like, well, when did this shift? And in fashion, um, speaking of the 1960s, there was this shift, uh, a more populist shift from, you know, top down mm-hmm. wearing like, uh, you know, where, you know, the designers set the trends, trends yeah. and then it filters down 
to this idea of street style that's now so ubiquitous where it's like it's not what are the designers making it's what are people the regular people wearing Mm. on the streets and then that influences and i think a lot of that actually has to do with the population of tv and media Mm -hmm. because now suddenly it wasn't just oh you were seeing what were in the ads yeah. You were seeing, like, MTV was really popular. Yeah. And you could see what real people that your age uh, were wearing around the world. Yeah, no, totally. I think, like, and media and marketing has, like, played such a huge role in, I think, shaping how we relate to class and also how we relate mm-hmm. to nepotism and how we relate to fashion. So it all really, like, ties together. And so, um, yeah, that was, like, the first time when it was really just about the consumer was the sort of like center of creation and it also is you know sort of there is sort of this arc from of you know with America and America's rise to like prominence on the international stage just this changing sense of upward mobility and the possibilities of upward mobility the American dream the American dream yeah for a long time it's like it's kind of like the son of an aristocrat would become an aristocrat Mm. like the son of a laborer would become a, like a laborer themselves and so mm-hmm. nepotism wasn't just you know kind of something to the side it was it was like a a widespread function of like how everyone worked and thought about their lives and their futures yeah well i feel like that was true even outside of the united states like if you think yeah. about in france every last name basically related it was like almost exact translation to what your job was yeah or what your like father did so you would know immediately in the class like whose dad did what like mm-hmm. what their family is known for and even in India, like, with the caste system. Yeah. Like, it's almost exactly the same, where mm-hmm. you inherit almost, like, the societal label and expectations for you, and that's passed down to your children. hmm Yeah, and we're at, like, a really interesting time right now, because there were periods where, in America, like, people were able to, you know, rise up in society. There have been studies done that noted uh, the first major period of upward mobility lasted between 1850 and 1920, and then the second major period of upward mobility was just like right after World War II. You know, now though we're exporting labor, so there's not as much room um, and for upward mobility. And there was an Axios article that noted uh, socioeconomic mobility in the U.S. is at its most sluggish in history. The United States, according to the World Economic Forum, uh, recently was ranked 27th in the world for social mobility. And a recent study. Uh, from research at uh, UPenn and Northwestern, the University of Nebraska and the Census Bureau, looking back as far as 1850, concluded that socioeconomic mobility in America is at its worst ever. That's so interesting, because you would think everyone now, uh, like the lay person, believes that it's so much higher than it could ever be. There's so much possibility and opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting to think of that and the fact that the nepo baby controversy is happening right now Mm. like at this time when you know it is you know i think there's a lot of factors in here like the american government hasn't raised the minimum wage in a really long time so much so that what they were advocating you know what activists were advocating for before is now like 15 dollar minimum wage and then they were now like they're saying even that like with inflation wouldn't be a livable wage Um, the pan and i think the pandemic also kind of you know just made everything a lot more clear to people how much uh, economic disparity there is and um, how hopeless it is to really like raise up in society. And so I think that's kind of an interesting way to think about like through fashion, like kind of how did we get here? And I think 
what are some of the larger things like motivating this discussion right now? Well, I think a lot of it, like you said, like everything became a lot clearer, like because people are struggling and I feel like in times of crisis, you know, it's nice to look at, oh, this other realm where it seems really glamorous, like mm-hmm. Hollywood seems really glamorous yeah. and fashion seems really glamorous where people are living extravagant lifestyles. And of course, it's easy for everyone else now that they're on such a big public international online stage to critique them. Absolutely. And I think it's especially difficult, uh, you know, in fashion when it's something that people really do kind of see as now democratized, I think, in part because of like the 1960s. Like mm. now we think like anyone can be fashionable or that the... That's you know, true. You know, I've, I know certain influencers who you know, have niches and, you know, their own, like, little audience that they've built up, but they're not, you know, famous. They're not, like, your Hailey Biebers or your, um, you know, your Kendall Jenners. They are not at that level of fame, but, like, they got there by having, like, really interesting, daring, bold style and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Doja Cat aside, like, there's, um, you know, I saw a fashion critic, I think it was Hot La Mode, Mm -hmm. um, Luke Mar, uh, who like who was talking about how like everyone you know is really trying to like look sexy and when they wear clothing to fashion week like it's all about still looking pretty and looking cute and like not a lot of people are just interested in like looking crazy or really like going for it in a way that's risky and I think it's like people look and they see why is it that you know this Hollywood elite, these nepo babies, these inside the industry people are playing it so safe when there are so many people who are like taking more risks and being actually, you know, inventive with clothing. Well, I always think about that, especially in terms of fashion, because I think it's hilarious when someone says, oh, I love so-and-so's style. Like, I love their style. Like, they're a style icon to me. I'm like, you mean their stylist is your style icon? Because yeah. they are not picking those things out themselves. Yeah, definitely. Like a stylist is working 24-7 to make sure they have all these new looks. They're able to find like niche new designers and small businesses to support. Mm-hmm. Kind of wrap it up. It also feeds into this whole thing of like, you know, I've been listening to a lot of those TikToks where people interview. Um, oh, like, like people on the street? People on the street, yeah. And they'll say like, what's your favorite trend or whatever. And a lot of the times, like one of the things I've heard constantly is like, we're over trends. Mm-hmm. Like we're, you know, cause it's impossible unless you do have a stylist and you can like rent clothing or have clothing or, or just have like a huge amount of like Kim Kardashian money. Yeah. Like it's hard to get like so many different types of clothes so yeah. fast because yeah. like trends are cycling through at like a rapid, rapid pace. So it's like, have your own style and yeah. now and don't just rely on trends so i definitely think it depends also geographically but i do think with gen z it is moving towards less trend driven and more personal taste yeah because you still see people doing like shein hauls and whatever and you yeah. still see markets like shein who like you know shein take, is still the biggest fashion company yeah in the world who like take they bring the in the most stuff. revenue yeah it, it, it's, it's interesting and i think it all relates to class which i feel like all relates back to the idea of kind of like questioning you know this kind of larger system that we have and why the people why are the people who are famous actually famous Famous. you know yeah well i think that's a great way to end it end it yeah Yeah.
right so now we're gonna get into a little bit of the new york magazine a little bit about the article about how this year as in 2022 because this came out as during the last week of 2022 is the year of the nepo baby so when i read this article i was shocked shocked (laughs) with how many nepo babies there were it's almost comical that you think like anyone who's made it far and you believe that they've put in the hard work and i do think with a lot of celebrities you're going to idealize them and at the same time they do have a little bit of a leg up mm-hmm. i know it feels like it's reached a fever pitch right now like there's just so many nepo babies because again as we've discussed it's not new mm. but it feels like things have gotten just like worse it it, it was interesting to me and seeing the discussion about it online because i'm on twitter and everyone was like dissecting it how again like how kind of how complicated being an epo baby could be like there is very kind of straight lines cindy crawford's daughter kaya gerber cindy crawford supermodel kaya gerber Gerber, supermodel supermodel. (laughs) like that who also happens to bear like a very striking resemblance to cindy crawford and i think like those are cases where it's like a straight line or we're like Oh, Steven Spielberg's mm-hmm. daughter is also a director. Hmm. Right? Like Straight line. Yeah, straight line. Um, For our listeners, there's a page, the opening page to the article, where it's literally half and half of uh, some Nepo babies and their parents. And it's actually striking. quite astonishing how striking the resemblance are for some of these. Yeah. So then you have, like, industry parents or people where it's like, Hmm, you know, you had connections, but it's, it, there's, you know, but, uh, and, it, and it just becomes a little bit more like, oh, the, these people are like well connected and it's, so it's things start, and like you mentioned, like um, cousin Greg's um, succession, Nicholas Braun, his dad designed the Rolling Stones so logo. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, this is, this feels obviously less like a straight line, mm. but in the magazine, like I think in some cases, I was like, okay, that's a bit of a stretch because if someone's like the lighting director of a show, you know, they might not be. It's not like they're built. They're billionaires or necessarily like how much connections do they actually have? Really like have, you have to yeah. kind of really think about it, you know. I completely agree. And right before we were even going to record this episode, we kind of had a discussion ourselves on what we felt about this personally. And Sophie asked me, "How do I feel about Nepo babies?" And I was like, "I mean, they were born into it. They had no choice." Yeah like so be it sure they have a leg up but who doesn't in the world and they can thought this way because it's 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 apparent in every industry you know Mm -hmm. whether it be in law like yes if two of your parents are lawyers you're most likely going to be a lawyer because that's what you're surrounded by you know people who are in this industry you're exposed to it so it's almost very familiar and you know the path to go down similarly as someone who's trying to pursue medicine you do see a lot of people who have both parents as doctors and their child ends up being a doctor as well. And I know people say it's not the same as you get a leg up, but it is, at least in medicine, just speaking from my experience, like when you're pre-med and you're doing everything you need to, obviously having someone who, like having access to all of your family friends who happen to be doctors and you can shadow is a huge advantage to someone who may not have that. Mm-hmm. And so I think with that, I do see a lot of parallels. And I, I, I don't know if it should be critiqued as much because it's something you can't really control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, I think we were also talking about a real-life instance where I knew someone who um, 
was also interested in being a journalist. And I'll say to, you know, preface this, it's not like I do not come from any kind of a place of privilege. Like, my mom does do a little writing, and she is uh, mostly, she's working mostly on fiction right now, but, like, um, but, you know, it very in a very, up until now, very modest way. Um, and, and that has come with, obviously, some perks. But I was talking to this kid who was kind of bemoaning the lack of job opportunities. And then I realized that both his parents were highly successful, like columnists at the LA Times, which is, I would say, a, a one kind of strata up from the amount of privilege that I have, in a way, mm-hmm. right? Um, in terms of like nepotism and direct connection to the industry. And I was like, and I was like, I, I just wanted to go back to him and be like, if you have those connections, right? use those connections like I don't think anyone begrudges people for having connections and then utilizing the connections it's just admitting to it right I think that's the main thing that's a very good point because all of like everyone in this article basically like yes they're nepo babies but no one has really been like yes I am like I got these advantages through xyz Mm -hmm. and I think like that's where you see a lot of issues just even societally like if you think about um the college college admission scandal. Yeah. That was worldwide news. And that was directly kind of seeing where Nepo babies come in hand and having access to these resources, whether it be financially or just through connections and getting their kids into IVs and all of these things without them even knowing it sometimes, which is shocking to me. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, but I think that's where you see it come to a point where, okay, that's not the same for everyone. Yeah. That's not, not everyone can actually evade the law and get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that also that's, it's something that I find annoying. Like you talked about how like it's, you know, for medical doctors, um, you know, it's, it, that's also like there's nepotism in that industry. Right. But I think, you know, we were also talking about, and, and I think that it goes back to like a lot of the stuff that some of these Nepo babies have said, like, I think Tom Hanks said at one point, like, it's a family business, you mm-hmm. know, like people, like, that's that's just a family business, just like being a doctor or whatever. Or the fact that, um, you know, I think Lily Rose Depp said like, oh yeah, some people are doctors because uh, their parents were doctors or whatever, that this sort of thing happens all the time. But I think one of the discussions that we were kind of having is that for me, I think that, like, the, you know, when you are an actor in Hollywood, like, there is a kind of, like, with doctors, I think there's more, there's less of a scarcity mindset, right? Like, obviously, there's, like, you have to go to certain, to med schools, you have to get certain credentials. At the same time, like, I think we briefly talked about this, like, your dad's not taking the bar for you, like, you have to, like, yeah, like, you have yeah. to take your board exams, yeah. you have to go through the training. The bar, the board, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, no, the, that's okay, the bar in law school. Yeah, yeah the bar yeah. in law school, but, like, you have to actually, like, have some degree of, of, of knowledge, and it is standardized. And, aptitude. and it's standardized <laughs> yeah. in that way, so it's yeah. not just, like, oh, just because your father's a doctor, you can be a doctor. Mm. Whereas I think, you know, speaking of Tom Hanks, like, he has Chet Hanks, who's, like, a, would I guarantee you not be getting the same attention uh you know if he were like not tom hanks's uh son yeah and like i think there's also then now like a scarcity mindset because only so many people can be big names in hollywood there can only and i think you know there can only be so many like big movies 
in the year in so many roles and so I think that also like what you kind of run into is when you have nepo babies that are concentrated in one industry is that like then it just becomes like a continual pass of the baton from the old guard and this article literally brings that up the oldest dynasty were the chaplains who have ruled for 110 years and basically it starts with eugene o'neill who was the father of an actress who married charlie chaplin and the actress who married charlie chaplin also dated jd salinger they had a daughter who was an actress and their granddaughter is a game of thrones actress yeah like how does that relate from charlie chaplin to today yeah and it's I mean, I think what, but I think what's difficult about that is like, if you go back to a lot of, you know, the older films and even films, Hollywood and like the, in the seventies or in the sixties, it's very white and it, you know, and, yeah. and it's very much people who, uh, like look a certain, look a certain way, you know, just even like, you know, very normal, um, kind of cut from the same cloth kind of beauty standards right Mm -hmm. and i think that if you're if everyone's just inheriting if if everyone's just inheriting these things then like then the industries are just going to be cycling through the same people and i think i read a quote that talked about how it's like it's the the indie little freaks it's the you know the people who come in who are not like born into the industry who can reimagine it like who you know who bring different perspectives and and different identities Mm -hmm. that can like you know really create change and make things that are exciting like if hollywood is people and i think it might be a little bit this already but if like if hollywood's just rich people then like how are they gonna make stories that represent you know a a larger swath of america than just like the bubble that they're in well why why are there so many reboots yeah yeah like all of these great stories were kind of made and now it it feels like there's a lack of creation lack of imagination and you also have kind of this content overload where it's just a ton of content that's really bad quality yeah just going out so people have something to watch i mean yeah completely right but the, what you said reminded me of this quote, actually, from the article, uh, the New York Magazine article, basically um, from Fran Leibowitz, who wrote in a 97 issue of Vanity Fair, saying, getting in the door is pretty much the entire game, especially in movie acting, which is, after all, hardly a profession notable for its rigor, which I laughed at that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and then she brought it up in relation to structural racism. Just as the children of celebrities got a leg up from the fact that they physically resembled people who were already famous, so did so too did America's whites benefit from fitting the nation's mental image of who should be in charge. In this context, being a nepo baby is the Cadillac of privilege. Nobody's got it better. Yeah. And that I mean, I read that out loud as as well when I read it for the first time to Sophie because I was like, wow, that is very powerful and. I mean, it has such a good point because initially when we even started this conversation and talking about even, or started talking about even recording an episode about Nepo Babies, I was like, I don't understand the big deal. I just listened to this interview with Chelsea Handler. She was, she was saying she didn't really care. And I was like, yeah, like I could see her point. Like Mm -hmm. people are born into this. They can't do anything about it. 
But when you bring up points like these, it is something to be aware of that not only are we having a lack of representation, but is it pushing the industry in a direction that we want it to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, again, it's also just, like, an acknowledgement that it's it's just, uh, it's like a, it's a systemic problem, right? It's not like people, and I mean, we can maybe discuss this at more at length, like, later, but it's not that people are like, oh, Lily Rose Depp, we hate her, she's the problem, right? I love her. Like, <laughs> you know? But, like, it's not like it's about a single person, yeah. right? It's like, it's about a system with fashion in general though there's also this sense of like and you mentioned reboots like there is this sense of nostalgia there's the sense of like people love going like oh you remember like daniel radcliffe and then they show a picture of him as like a little kid in harry potter like this is him now yeah it's like you know rupert grint had a baby (laughs) and i think people are like there's a lot of you know publicity to be made off of like here is cindy crawford posing with her daughter you know oh no it makes huge headlines like i remember heidi klum had this photo shoot with her daughter lenny and it was an underwear shoe and it created so much um backlash it created so much backlash because people were like this is absurd i cannot believe that it's a mother and daughter and it was the first time that lenny was kind of in a big shoot yeah so even that i think just amplified the response um but you also see it like the like the New York back to the New York article. The New York, <laughs> New York article. Mag. The New York magazine <laughs> New York magazine article brought up how People magazine had talked about why you should follow Reese Witherspoon's daughter and one of the reasons was simply because oh she takes cute selfies with her mom. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. But it's almost like people love to know more, love to like investigate that a little bit more. And we saw them very recently with Apple Paltrow. Yeah. She recently just came out as, um, not just came out, but I guess you, kind of like a coming out onto the... A debutante. Yeah. (laughs) Onto the public scene at the Chanel Couture fashion show looking amazing. Yeah. Well, what, like, if you're a Nepo baby who hasn't at least tried modeling, like, what are you even doing? The magazine brings that up because the first thing you can do is they all go to modeling. Let me just bring this up. So they reference to this manager who says, it's no surprise so many Nepo babies get their start as models. The child doesn't have to open their mouth. I've learned that once they start speaking, the public doesn't go along for the ride. The more they talk, the more unrelatable they come. Yeah. And I think, but I think what's like difficult is, you know, like there was a big thing after in the modeling world, after Lily Rose Depp, you know, had released a statement uh not released a statement but she was interviewed for some magazine and she kind of like blew off the nepo baby like label and was kind of like "Mm, i don't i don't think that's right like i think i really like worked hard to be where i am and um i believe victoria victoria soretti who is Mm -hmm. a top model um she put out a statement uh that basically talked about how like you know like you can't like nepo models can't you can't compare yourself to me because like I had to do like because there's so much grunt work and there's so much um even if you don't get into like the Jeffrey Epstein of it all and the like you know like there's so much exploitation in the modeling world like you're treated like objects like she was saying that like celebrity kids would just like walk past her there was um 
Kendall Jenner got in hot water for saying, I think it was uh, talking there. I think this, this might've come up in here, but like saying about saying how picky she is with her shows, like mm-hmm. in what shows she, she does. And like all like models everywhere were like, you know, we can't all be picky about what, show. like some of us are like working and not necessarily, you know, not every model is making millions of dollars and like we have to pay our rents in ex- in expensive cities yeah. and, you know, and go to all these castings and like, you know, we don't get to live a, a high life and go back to our NBA player boyfriend, you know? Yeah. No, Victoria Soretti even brought that up because she was saying like, even if you did put it in the grunt work, you got to go back to your luxury home and uh, the quote from her is that you got to sleep on your like silk pillowcase yeah like obviously when you're a model and you're front facing your face is your job so like you know having access to skincare and everything on tiktok it's like you're not ugly you're just not rich yeah (laughs) yeah you're not ugly you're just not rich so these but these girls also have to like work i mean it's like it's such a kind of clusterfuck in a way it's so like and a, and such a game where i don't even know how you can be a model so one other part of fashion that is also just nepotism driven is also the business side of things so lvmh has kind of been a hot topic recently because mm-hmm. i think the chairman or the president he is looking to you know pass down the company to one of his children, one of his four children, and people relate it to succession. Like, this is the real-life succession, which I think is hilarious. Uh, for those of you who don't know, LVMH is a huge luxury brands conglomerate, and anyone who's going to run that will really be dictating a lot of what happens in fashion, both financially, but also on the trend side of things. What are What is going to happen with all these huge fashion brands? And it's just interesting because I think that also ties into some of the older fashion houses like Gucci or Prada. Like Prada, the name is still there. Like the creative director, what's her name? Mu- no. Muccia Prada. Muccia Prada. Muccia Prada. You have to say it with the Excuse accent. Excuse me. But yeah, you know, like you're still seeing the family members. It is the mm. family business. Like Donatella. Exactly. Or- Versace. Yeah. So even though we see it in entertainment and models and almost I feel like fixtures and kind of the front facing kind of what you said, the front facing figures to a lot of these companies and brands, it's also on the inside too. And it makes sense because it's all like so many of these businesses like Gucci and like, you know, even House of Worth, the original haute couture was um, taken over by uh, that guy's sons. And yeah. that's, that's how the brand continued. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way, good place to pause. It's mm-hmm. definitely, I think we could talk about this topic for hours. Yeah. Because there's so many layers to it. But I think we can move on to something a little lighter and brighter. Yes. <laughs> so we thought it would be fun to talk about our top three and bottom three Nebo babies, in our opinions, yeah. each. So come back to listen to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright, welcome to the top three and bottom three Nepo babies of Statement Piece. Yep. Should we start with the bottom and move our way up? No, I think we should start with the top and move oh. our way down. Okay. I think because every... Everyone wants to know who the bottom is. <laughs> You're right. Everyone That's the spicy part. Everyone wants to know part. the shit talking. 
Okay, my top are actually kind of tied, and there's really no reason for a lot of these other than the fact that I really like them. Mm-hmm. Number one, Zoe Kravitz. Okay. Beautiful, talented, she's just a cool person, cool vibe. That's all I gotta say. Nice. <laughs> it's really, really low standards over here. Do you want to go back and forth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you go. Okay. So I'll say my, f- so mine is Alexander Skarsgård. Oh. I think he's one of those people where it's like you remember that he is a Skarsgård mm-hmm. and you remember it more because now his like brother Bill mm-hmm. is, you know, in the mix with everything, mm-hmm. uh, being Pennywise. But like Alexander Skarsgård, like you, you, like you don't really, you know, I don't really think about him being an Apple baby. Like I, when I'm, I recently, I, and by recently, I mean like in the last like three or four months, like, saw The Northman, mm-hmm. which is, like, a big Viking epic movie, and he, like, carried that movie, and he can do that, and he can be in Big Little Lies. Like, the man is talented. And... I love how we both picked someone from Big Little Lies. Oh, yes. Um, and, and you know what? Laura Dern was one of the other ones I was considering, also a Nepo. So, that, that Big Little Lies is kind of Nepo Baby Central, but I think, I think they have picked the higher tier yeah, of the Nepo yeah, yeah. babies. All Definitely. right, who's your next top? Okay, mine is Dakota Johnson. Okay. I know her only that she's a Libra, and that <laughs> uh, we're both Libras, and that she has limes in her house because she's allergic. <laughs> <laughs> and she's that's hilarious. not the truth, Ellen. That's, those are, that to me is Dakota Johnson's three biggest works. <laughs> yeah, I just love her. You just love her? That's all you gotta say. I just like the way she speaks and her aura. Gives me yeah. good vibes. The chaos, quiet chaos. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's kind of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my next one, and this is... That was a good one. Yeah. Because, like, your dad is Paul McCartney. Like, so many people, if their dad was Paul McCartney, they would just fall apart. Like, yeah. how do you follow up with your dad being, like, one it's of the so successful of Yeah, one of the biggest brands biggest bands of all time i i really do feel like i think of stella mccartney designer and then i think of stella mccartney paul mccartney's daughter like it is very separate and i think until i grew up i didn't realize that they were actually related i yeah no i just thought it was the mccartney name she's a household name she's she's a leader in vegan leathers yeah truly and she always has been Mm -hmm. ahead of her ahead of her time really yes truly Okay, my next one. Wow, you really... That was a really good one. I Thank wish you. I thought about that. Yeah. We thought about these today, and I just thought about the first three people that came to mind okay. that I love. Next, Lily Rose Depp. Okay. <laughs> what about Lily Rose Depp? I just also just like her. You just like her? Do you like her style? Do you like... I do like her style. Like, I do like the fact that she was kind of a Chanel ambassador like I think it really fit her vibe very yeah. well like it fit her look very well mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see her star in the new show um the icon yeah the right? icon yeah. yeah so then mine I and I then I have like two kind of like nepo babies to watch because they just stuck in my brain but this one is also it's a very uh, established uh entertainer Maya Rudolph Oh. Whose mother was a yeah. singer, Minnie Ripperton. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel like Maya Rudolph, you know, probably also benefits from not having the same last name as her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she is like, I think she like, you know, she is such, as someone who like likes, S, who, you know, grew up kind of like watching SNL and, 
you know, loves Bridesmaids and watches Maya Rudolph's show Loot now, like, and loving, like, Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig, I think, like, she's one of those people who, if I had, you know, obviously you never know what things would be like in, like, an alternative universe if, you know, so-and-so didn't have famous parents or so-and-so didn't come from that background, but I really am very positive that in any, like, in almost any situation, like, Maya Rudolph would still have become famous like Mm. she will always it's one it's like the internet thing she will always be famous to Mm. me like Mm -hmm. every in every universe my rudolph is like a successful comedian because she's like just that good (laughs) all that yeah and then my two nepo babies to watch i was because i was looking i was trying to think of like more fashion nepo babies one i like iris law i was gonna i literally was going to put her down because you know what i like i like that she shaved her head and i think if you're gonna be a nepo baby if you're gonna have the cushiness you gotta be a freak (laughs) be like weird someone commented that on one of her tiktoks saying you were so uncool before until you shaved your head and now people think you're cool yeah apparently it worked Yep, so so good like having i really do like her i also think She's definitely going to be big soon. Yeah. The, she, uh, bigger than she already is. Mm-hmm. The other one I put down is Ella Emhoff. Because oh. she's a fashion student. Yeah. And she's like a knitwear artist. Yeah. And so she, the girl, she has a marketable skill. Mm-hmm. Like, that you can't, and you can't take away from that. All right. Okay. Let's time. move to the spicy part. Time for the... I have two that are tied. Okay. And they're related. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn Beckham and Nicola Peltz. I also have Brooklyn Beckham, so we should <laughs> I just, just really talk just, about that. I think it is the epitome of what's wrong with Nepo babies. Like, mm-hmm. they are famous for no reason. They stage a lot of things to make them seem cool, but they just won't be as cool. Like, I feel like if someone's trying too hard, you just won't achieve that because you're trying too hard. Well, they're trying to be David and Victoria. And it's not like, organic. Yeah, but they they don't have anything that's themselves. Like, I don't know who they are. Yeah. Really. Or current, like charisma or there's nothing anything. there's nothing yeah. it just seems really constructed not constructed it just seems really fabricated like artificial yes very artificial and forced yes. too because it's like you'll have a seven look seven days um like there was a seven look seven days video from the two of them and it's like i don't think anyone asked for this you know no one wanted this yeah literally but, like for those of you who don't know, Brooklyn Beckham is one of David and Victoria Beckham's sons who is kind of known culturally <laughs> or in pop culture as someone who has really tried so many different careers and really just not not hit the nail on the head with any <laughs> with any of them. And it's really sad. And I will quote one of my friends who said, wouldn't it be so embarrassing to be married to Brooklyn Beckham? Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, that is a burn, but and she's not wrong. Nicola Peltz is obviously daughter of a billionaire. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I had Brooklyn Beckham on my list, too. Um, he, I'm, like, obsessed with, I, I think, like, I just feel like I pour a lot of angst into Brooklyn Beckham. Like, even just the idea of Brooklyn Beckham, because who knows, maybe he's, like, a sweet kind of maybe a little maybe a little bulky kid that's just grown up rich and like just poor little helpless baby you know just can't if you're hopeless you do not need to be on the public stage no i know but that's the thing is like but then i think the thing that really like like because on the one hand there's like it's like there's two separate things going on here right like i feel like brooklyn beckham 
you know, it's normal to be, like, at the age that he's at, which is, like, early-ish 20s, right? Mm -hmm. And be, and because he didn't go to college, so he didn't have, like, a lot of some, like, important milestones where people figure out, like, who they are, right? To be, like, I, to have, like, a bunch of different career aspirations and kind of bounce between all of them. Mm. But I think the issue for me is that, again, he goes to, like, he wants to go to a 10 with every career that he's doing. Like, like, cool, you want to be a photographer? Like, go, t- like, like, go do the work, yeah. you know? Go, like, he tried to go to, like, he tried to go to photography school, but that didn't last, and then now, you know, he's being a chef, and there was, um, and getting his own, like, chef show, even though he was just, like, when you, when you think you really look into it, what basically happened is he got into cooking during the pandemic, like, <laughs> everybody else, and, um, I don't know if you've seen the show The Bear, but um, it's about like working in a kitchen. Yes, 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 yes. I have seen it. And like I, I like cooking, and I there have been times that I've had this very romantic idea of like, oh my god, I would love to be a chef. It's like the frustrating thing is that, you know, he'll do that, and then he, he like he won't do any of like the hard stuff that earns you like the cred, right? Mm. And that earns you like the ability to like have rip. For people to respect you like and but i think even yeah. if he does it's that's not what's publicized and i think that's almost what the issue is like with photography right like if you're learning photography great like if you're testing it out trying new cameras putting in the hard work great but then don't go out and put a book yeah for sale. which is what he did and it was like there was like the photo of a elephant the famed photo of an elephant like out of focus that's you, well that that is like completely in shadow so you yeah. can't and then there was like and then the caption was like elephants uh so beautiful to look at but so hard to see <laughs> <laughs> or no so beautiful to look at but so hard to photograph that was like the caption and but there's this okay there's this this is like and i think that this is why brooklyn gets so much attention is that he he's kind of like a parody of an Epo baby. Like mm. that's his job. <laughs> he's being a parody of an Epo baby because there are these there's this TikTok guy who um goes up, I think he's in LA and he'll go up to people who are driving like really sick fancy cars and then he'll go up to them and be like, "Oh, hey, I love your car. What do you do?" Yeah. And I don't know if you saw the video, but he went up to Brooklyn and was like, "Hey, I love your car. What do you do?" And Brooklyn was like, "Oh, I'm a chef." And meanwhile, he's driving like this crazy tricked out like sports car that was definitely it's definitely like david beckham's car like or a car that is paid for by david beckham and then he was like then the guy was like oh what um he i don't think the guy knew that it was brooklyn beckham but he asked uh brooklyn he was like well what is your advice to any aspiring chefs out there and he's like oh just like just follow your passion and it's like if you're a line cook at a restaurant being like abused and like put through like the ringer at your job and then brooklyn beckham's just like (laughs) i'm a chef driving this fancy car like follow your passion like i like i would i would feel homicidal if 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 that like in that moment because it's like (laughs) i would feel like homicidal in that moment because that's just so frustrating that's insane Okay. I'll let you do two more since... Or no, one more. Yeah. So my next bad Nepo baby is Olivia Jade. 
Really? I had yes. a feeling someone was going to pick her. Someone being out of the two of us, you, I guess. Because, yes. <laughs> you know, I think, again, uh, I think these, like, my, like, you were talking about, like, what do you, what even makes a Nepo baby bad? Like, what's a bad Nepo baby? What's a, what does the bottom tier Nepo baby look like? And I think for me, the bottom tier Nepo baby is kind of, like, tacky or sort of embodies the sort of worst elements of Nepo babies that mm-hmm. people don't like whereas the top is like oh people use their connections as vehicles to nurture and grow their actual talent about careers they're serious about Mm -hmm. and like the bottom is like I think people who are like I'm rich I'm pretty let me like capitalize on that and just sort of like not have any real respect for like where I'm from and I have to disagree I was an OG fan of Olivia Jade Oh, really? Before all of this happened, like, I followed her on YouTube. And then after it happening, I mean, now she, like, does bring it up. But yeah. not not the, like, all the other stuff. But, like, she does joke about the fact that, like, oh, she has her palette or, like, she's not going back to school. Like, she'll respond to people's comments on TikToks. And I think the one thing, like, people, there was a trend on TikTok because she used to do, like, these luxury hauls or whatever. Yeah. Like, Christmas hauls or whatever. Um, and she, like, had to comment on it saying, like, you guys, it's never going to come back. Like, I'm never going to do that because of, like, X, Y, Z, I realized. And honestly, I think, like, that's, there's more said in that than everyone else who hasn't even acknowledged the fact that they're an Epo baby. Do I think she, like, benefited from it and, like, did a blow up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... I don't think that was, like, 100% her choice. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say that was fair is she did always, like, she seemed very convinced about, like, I'm not going to school. Yeah. Like, I'm not yeah, doing that. Yeah, and then it was her parents then, basically so being, like... I think there's a case to be made, like, you know what? I'll Actually, I'm going to scratch Olivia Jade, and I'll put in Chet Hanks. <laughs> I'll scratch Olivia Jade, I'll put in Chet Hanks. Olivia Jade is off the bottom list. Ah, Olivia. You, you convinced me. You convinced me. Chet Hanks, who would just be a really cringe, broke rapper if his dad wasn't Tom Hanks. Because everyone is... Because if you don't know, Chet Hanks went on the red carpet in an inexplicable patois accent. Oh my gosh. Wait, I didn't know this, but this reminds me of Zach Bia. Like, why is he famous? Yeah. There's a lot of people. And you no, know, because people are, like, obsessed with Chet Hanks in part because they're like, how... Did Tom, how did Chet Hanks come from Tom Hanks, America's mm. dad? Mm. Like, how did America's dad produce, like, this guy? And if you have ever seen, he had this fitness app, and if you haven't seen his interview with Z-Way, which I feel like I, I want to show you, like, before you go to bed tonight, but, like, it it is the craziest. It is, like, he's, like, yeah, you get uh, you get fitness advice from from me and how to look like me, and I'm... Like, I'm figuring, I, you know, I, I want to share what I learn with everyone else. And it's like, you get, you know, pep talks from me, which is so basically like, he, Chet Hanks hypes you up. Like, it's, it, when you, <laughs> Chet when Hanks you, is a motivational speaker. When you, like, look at the interview, it's just very clear. It's like, scam central. So actually, I will, yeah, Chet, okay, Hanks. Chet Hanks. Okay. Okay, my last. Nepo baby that's at the bottom is Prince William. Oh my god, that's a good one. 
That's a good one. Because he's this, he is like the, I'm, the apex Nepo baby. Exactly. He is first in line for the monarchy after who now King Charles. And there's all of these suspicions, especially with everything going on around Prince Harry and Meghan about how William was abusive and never like stood up for his brother and that's also why uh prince harry's book is called spare because he was always referred to as the spare child as uh william was always going to be the heir to the throne and he's also just bald and just not you know i just Mm -hmm. don't really know what he's (laughs) i'm sure that he's doing great work in some ways to society but well they do i'm sorry but they do a lot of work to solve problems that like they create you know what i mean like solving point. like solving poverty or something and or like and meanwhile they're living in palaces on taxpayer money like yeah. i don't know also like you know i i not to bash harry but there was like there was reading critiques of his book about spare where he was like we're doing some kind of charity work in africa and like all the uh, and he was talking about like all the people in need and you know in africa or whatever and it's like you know africa did kind of get that way in part because of British colonialism, right? And you know you did, like, do the slave trade and a bunch of stuff like that. So it's like, it kind of does sort of feel like, oh, now we're, we created problems and now we're swooping in to be like, oh, now we're saving you Yeah, well, it's white savior complex. It is, yeah, very much that. So that is a very, very good. Thank you. Not to hate on the monarchy, I'd still like to be a British citizen. I hate on the monarchy. I'm an American. <laughs> it's like our thing. It's like no monarchy. Uh, but speaking of not monarchy, monarchies, but dynasties and empires, um, my last one is Kendall Jenner. No! You know, I'm actually shocked we haven't really talked about the Kardashian or Jenner clan. Yeah, no, I think it was, you're destined to do it. And you know why I, what makes me, what kind of incensed me about um, Kendall Jenner, I forget whether she or not she has said something kind of, obtuse about nepo babies i'm sure she i i would bet money that she has not not a lot but like five dollars um but she there's like this these videos of like it's kendall jenner being a pick me Mm -hmm. right and it's all about how she was like a tomboy when she was growing up and she's like i i didn't even like care about modeling you know and like well you even see it there like as someone who has watched keeping up with the kardashians (laughs) there's an episode where kim takes her to new york and tries to get her into runway walking like yeah just learning how to runway walk and being more confident in that because she was only doing kind of um catalog like not catalog kendall jenner doing catalog no she was only doing photos and and editorials and so, and you basically see Kendall kind of having, like, this little temper tantrum about how she doesn't want to walk, and then a year later, and now a couple years later, was one of the top runway models. Yeah. And I think that one year, she was one of the highest paid runway models. Oh, I think she is, like, the highest yeah. paid. And, oh, yeah, she said, um, she said something about how being a Kardashian was actually hindered her, mm. like, and made it mm. harder for her. We've covered some of this in some of the previous statement piece um, episodes, but just having notoriety and fame and people knowing who you are carries you so far, especially in modeling. Yeah. And that's something that 
she was almost also born into like she was on keeping up with the kardashians as like yeah. less than 10 years old mm-hmm. and that followed her through life and the whole world knows who that family is yeah and it's not like her parents um weren't well connected i mean her super well you know like uh caitlin jenner was a very famous athlete you know um chris jenner was deeply connected like she knew oj and his uh late wife um nicole simpson and that is also like they were at a certain level of of society and you know all right so i guess this is a good place to wrap it up sophie what are your last thoughts on nepo babies I was thinking about how last night I was scrolling through TikTok, watching, basically exclusively watching TikToks, roasting Brooklyn Beckham, watching him describe how to make a gin and tonic like 45 times and then watching people roast that at just as many times. Um, And, you know, it kind of did hit me, especially as I was doing research for this episode, uh, about how big the press Mm -hmm. is in like shaping who we discuss and um, push who's like kind of pushed to the front of you know culture and of fashion and the fashion world and um, it's like you know I I think about like my own part in uh, you know boosting Nepo babies because you know I think a lot of people are drawn to Nepo babies their like Instagrams their socials because we all kind of want to see what it's like to be part of you know, a celebrity family. Yeah, you and want to I, see what's going on on the inside. Yeah, yeah. and then I I think that it's... <laughs> like... Wait, let me wait for you. And so, like, yeah, I think that it's, like, also, if we want to, you know, curb Nepo babies, it's also our responsibility to not watch Nepo babies. Like, not give them the tension like that that is a small part that like the public can play in not boosting these people but again you know I don't think that nepo babies are inherently bad like I said like they're nepo babies that are very talented and who again like use their connections and uh, but are also like very serious about cultivating you know their art and their skill and and that's and that's perfectly fine I actually wish nepo babies would stop seeing it as seeing this discussion as like a constant personal attack and Mm. just start thinking about it more systemically because it seems like that's the whole issue is that that's what they can't do right I completely agree I think after my research one I was shocked by kind of how far it goes and I really don't think it's going anywhere Mm -hmm. nepo babies are always going to be present it's been happening for literally the last century. It's going to be happening, I'm sure, for the next few. As much as we like to or want to in America democratize things, I don't know if 100% we're going to move in that direction. Yeah. And that's just based off of my own reflections on where society is. But I agree with you. Like I think the main thing that people have an issue with is that no one's being honest and no one's just uh what's the call no one is just no one is just accepting the fact that that is who they are mm-hmm. yeah you know the i think the nepo babies are again like a symptom or a kind of a product of a very bad system and a classist system and it's like the classism is really what you need to attack not just the nepo babies well i couldn't have said it better myself sophie thank you for this great discussion 
if any of your listeners out there have anything else to add to the discussion, we'd love to hear. Comment, like, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. All listen. of the above. Yeah. Um, we have many different platforms in which you can also get in contact with us. We would love to hear everyone's thoughts. Yeah. But thank you for listening. Bye.